So I'd like you to uh, close your eyes if you feel comfortable. I'd like to give you that invitation. Not because we're doing a renovation project, no, but, but because we're gonna do a little something called an Ignatian meditation, okay? This is using our imagination to enter into the scriptures so that we, uh, so that we can envision ourselves as the characters within these scripture passages are. So we're gonna focus today on the first, first reading from the prophet Ezekiel. You're on a wall of your hometown. Pretend that West Bend is a walled city, just bear with me. You have the last watch of the night from three to six, the watch before the dawn. It's a chill fall morning, and as you gaze over the formless landscape, still cloaked in impenetrable darkness, you wrap yourself a little tighter in your jacket. Your mind wanders to the ones inside the walls, to your spouse, to your children, to your family, to your friends, still peacefully sleeping in their warm beds. After all, they are the reason that you're on the wall. The quiet engulfs you. No bird sings. The black-capped chickadees must still have their nightcaps on. You can only hear the sound of your own breath and the faint rustle of the trees in the cool autumn breeze. You are a watchman. With a steaming thermos of coffee in your hand, you look left to right, then right to left, slowly but meticulously glassing the hills for any movement. Maybe you're reminded of being up in a tree stand, waiting for the foliage to, til to still take shape, straining your eyes as you peer into the lingering black in the early morning hours. It's still too dark to see anything clearly yet, but you are diligent. You know that the enemy is abroad, and they could be coming this way. So you look on, and as you do, the birds begin to chirp and flutter overhead. The night softens, gradually turning to a gray haze which shrouds the kettle moraine in a shadowy mist. Your coffee is running low, but you wouldn't dream of leaving your post. The vast landscape of rolling hills comes slowly into view against the backdrop of the first hints of morning light. Onward you look, ever scanning left to right, right to left. Maples and oaks begin to take shape below you. A distant water tower looms over the hills to the south. But then you see it. Movement in the trees. Perhaps it's nothing more than a deer, but with all your effort, you focus in the early morning twilight. The clouds begin to become like a tapestry, red and orange, spanning the entire horizon. But undistracted, you stare on into the forest. Your heart rate increases, your grip unintentionally tightens around your empty thermos. What you see is unmistakable. Shapes of men moving about through the trees, the glint of steel catching the first rays of the dawn. The enemy is coming. They are here. You can open your eyes. Who among you, brothers and sisters, would not sound the alarm? Who among you would not cry out, enemy, awake, men to arms? See, this is the word of the Lord to the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is appointed as a watchman over Israel, but not just in this physical sense, no, in a spiritual sense. He's appointed to be a watchman of the wickedness that could creep into the house of Israel. Indeed, the wickedness that has already crept in to the house of the people of Israel. As that watchman, he is to warn them of their danger. 
and indeed they are in great danger. If you would warn someone when their very life is at stake, would you not warn them when their eternal life is at stake? Brothers and sisters, each of us are watchmen. And this comes with a great deal of responsibility. Because just like the watchmen, when the enemy comes, when wickedness is at hand, we must sound the alarm. If we do so, and those who are in danger heed the threat, then they are saved. And that's thanks to the watchman. But if we do not sound the alarm, and those in danger perish, well, that's also thanks to the watchman. So the guilt, then, will fall upon us if we do not sound that call, if we do not sound that alarm. As Christians, as Catholics, we have this great responsibility because we have been saved by Christ. We have been put up in this great watchtower that is the church. Through our baptism, we have received this prophetic role, as the prophet Ezekiel had. We've been put up in this mighty watchtower, which is strong, impervious to attack, in fact, unless we open the doors ourselves or we venture out of it. And in that watchtower, we're able to see great, great distances because of this divine revelation to which we have been raised. This is above our natural state, beyond our natural comprehension, but yet we're able to see just how bad wickedness is, just how bad evil is. But we cannot use this fortress only for ourselves. No, we have to call everyone in danger to this safety, to this refuge. We have to listen to those words of St. Paul to the Romans, re-echoed throughout all of Scripture. You must love one another, love your neighbor as yourself. He re-echoes those words of Christ. Who among us can say we love our neighbor and yet would not risk to call out when his life is at stake? Well, what if his eternal life is at stake? Would you not bring your dog into the house if you saw a coyote in the backyard? Of course. And how much more so for your family, for your friends, indeed for any perfect stranger who's in mortal danger? And no one is a stranger to us in God. Indeed, they are our neighbors, they are our brothers, they are our sisters. So call out, sound the alarm, because the enemy is real and the enemy is upon us. We will be held responsible if we say nothing. But if you do your part, you need not fear. You do not need to be afraid. Now there are some who will not listen to the warning. There are some who will not listen to our call. Even if we implore them, we do all we can to correct. Sometimes they still may not heed. At the end of the day, this is free will. This is not our fault. But we must do all that we possibly can. And this is where the words of Christ in our gospel today really give us a lot of guidance because it teaches us how to correct those we love who fall into a state of sin. It teaches us how to correct our neighbors, how to bring them to that safety, to that refuge. So it shows us an ultimate plan of action. So first, Christ tells us, go in alone. Try to call out alone. This is more personal. This is more relational. And many souls can be saved just by taking this first step. It's like trying to draw someone in with the sound of a trumpet, right? You want that sound of the trumpet to be as clear and beautiful as possible. But that'll take some practice. That'll take some practice, and you can't just blare it out as quickly as you can. It needs patience, it needs skill. So we need to kind of hone ourselves, hone our gifts, our abilities, in order to ring out that clear note. But still, this might not work. So then Christ gives us another direction. Second, 
or to bring some back up. Okay? Remember, we're not alone. We're not alone. We have a lot of brothers and sisters among us. So if the person's still not listening to you, well, maybe you know a very accomplished flautist, right? someone who plays the flute. I think that's the right word. Maybe they don't like the flute too much, and maybe they're an oboe or a bassoon person, right? So then we gotta look a little harder. We gotta try a little harder, okay? Find someone who can make this person really listen, right? Who can really reach them in a way that is particular to them. Because really, we need to, we need to be a little flexible in that sort of thing. We have to do all that we can here. If that's still not working though, third, the third step then is to bring it to the church. And sometimes people try and start here, but that would really be a big mistake because the church is like an orchestra, to continue the musical example. And if you start a full-fledged orchestra as your first thing when trying to get someone to appreciate something, it's probably not gonna sound very good to their ears. Have you heard of the concept of an orchestra hit before? It's a sound on a keyboard you can, you can change the keyboard to, but it's the same sound they use in scary movies. It's when they play all the instruments at the same exact time and it just blares out right in front of them. And it makes you jump. That same thing can happen if this is where we start. Right, we need to build up, build up to the orchestra. Take your time. Because the orchestra, ultimately, is extremely moving. It's extremely effective. But not if that's right where we start. We need to build up. So remember these, remember these three steps. But even so, after this third step, after that, after that moving, moving orchestra, they still might not come. And if we've honestly done all that we can, what more can we do? Well, Christ tells us to treat them as Gentiles, to treat them as tax collectors. And this might sound very harsh to our ears, as many of us know, the tax collectors, the Gentiles, in the society at the time of Jesus were really frowned upon. They were uh, seen as the villains in society in, in many respects. But at the same time, if we look at how Christ reached these Gentiles, these tax collectors, how did Christ treat them? Well, he did not cease to call them to himself. He did not cease to love them. But also he did not blame himself when he did all he could and they still walked away. So my fellow watchmen of St. Francis Cabrini, be vigilant, keep your lamps lit, keep your eyes sharp, because the enemy is at hand. And if you're asleep, wake up, because the enemy is real and the enemy is upon us. So do not hesitate to sound the alarm. Only good can come of it, good for others and good for yourself. Do everything you possibly can to turn those hearts of those who wander. But be prudent. Remember, first, try going alone. Second, bring one or two others. And third, then bring the matter to the church. But in all this, do not cease to love them. Because after all, that's why we stand on the wall. <laughs>